It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He did it all, and in the course of doing it, broke almost every bone in his body. When it all looked over, following a double leg break in 2019, Barry Geraghty defied the odds yet again, returning to the saddle for one final glorious tilt at Cheltenham this year, following which he retired after 24 seasons racing. Barry recently published his memoir called True Colours, and I'm delighted to say the man from Drumree is on the line. Hello, Barry. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks for joining me on the show. Well, we better start with the grandfather, Lawrence, and why this game is in your blood. This horse, Golden Miller, extra special, Barry. Yeah, he was. He uh, he won five Cheltenham Gold Cups back in the 30s, and he's the only horse to have won the Gold Cup and the Intergrand National in the one year. So he, he has a, he's a record there, and my grandfather bred him back in 1928, and he went on to win his first Gold Cup in 33 years did the Gold Cup Grand National double in 1934. So that that was the history we grew up with and I suppose the, the legacy. Yeah, the legacy that was there. And amazing, and as you said, holds that record today of the Grand National and the Gold Cup in, in the one year. Now, for yourself growing up at home, there were six children in the family, Bay and Tucker looking after the whole lot of you there, farming on about 100 acres. But your dad had to go, you write about this, to the USA. There were tough times. He went out there looking for work. Yeah, so back in the 80s, um, farming in particular, there was a recession all over the country, but farming in particular was really struggling. And I know Dad went to America um, for a few months and we were looking at our options to see would we move or not. And he came back and the decision was made to stay and we opened the riding school and that uh, that gave us a, an endless supply of ponies and horses, I suppose. Yeah, so it was there on your doorstep. A great move. And interestingly, not just you, all six of the children in their time had association with the horses. Yeah, all six roads. Um, I think all of our one-road winners. So we were, we were well, well involved. Bit of slag in there, I'm sure, at the Christmas table. But we leave that aside for the minute for the one that didn't. But <laughs> let's move on and talk about how this really all began for you. Because Noel Mead, a neighbour, uh, what a trainer from the Royal County as well. That was your first stop, Noel Mead's yard. It was, yeah. So I started with Noel when I just when I turned 17. I'd been riding a little bit of pony racing. And um, I, Noel had been watching or keeping track on how things were going. And he, he said to come down and... He'd uh, he'd uh, he had opportunities for me if if things worked out and thankfully they did and he supplied the opportunities. You know, early on and uh, you're quite honest about this. It took you a while to get a winner. You you were up on mounts and they just uh, didn't pass the line first. But do you remember that first winner, Stagallier? I do remember her well. Um, she won at Madone Royal. That was my first winner, the thirty first of January ninety seven. So I'd been racing about 
but four months at that stage. Um, but yeah, it, it was a it was a brilliant day. So I floated into the winners and closer and those press and photographers and everything there. It was it was, it was a great buzz and yeah, and it, you know with, with the quality of horses Noel had and still has, you know there was a good steady supply of winners then after that. Mm, very special day for you. You kept falling off early on. Tell us that story. Terry Mitchell was the guy, was it that sorted you out? Yeah, so I was, I was, yeah, I was. I suppose I'd, I'd adjusted my style of riding, and on, on the back of an injury, had been out for three months. And when I came back, and I was riding well over hurdles, but riding over fences, I just, I'd lost the connection with the horse. Really, I wasn't helping him as much as I should have been. And um, Terry Mitchell, after a year of falling off everything, and I fell off Mary Gale one day in this when he was favourite, and Terry just said to me, "You need to just sit up, take a little hold of their heads, give them a little bit of help." And um, as soon as Terry said it to me and I started to apply what he was saying, it was instant change and things were flying again. Then Jessica Harrington was another and is another fantastic trainer that you rode for. Your first Cheltenham win, Moscow Flyer. Tell me about that one. That's your brilliant. Your first winner in Cheltenham is by far and away your most important one just to get a score on the board. It's the biggest day. Um, but he was a brilliant horse. He was he was a champion hurdle standard. He was probably the closest uh, challenger to Isterbrack in the previous couple of seasons. So when he went chasing, albeit he'd fallen, he he had he had a good he had a good ability over fences. He jumped really well when he was right. So he'd fallen on his previous run, and people were were questioning his jumping and everything. But um, we knew with a clear on the jump, and he wasn't be beaten. And he put in a great round, and he was deadly, and he, he won impressively. Now, here's the thing, and this runs through the book. Um, you, you were a freelancer, you know, you rode for a number of trainers, but on a number of occasions through your career, Barry, there were offers to become the main man, and one of those came, you know, uh, early enough on when you were showing tremendous talent, and that came from uh, Paul Nichols. He offered you the top job, and you declined. Why? I did in 2002. Um, everything was going so well for me at home, so many good horses to ride um, and for good people and, and felt I was in a secure position and Paul would would have chopped and changed his jockeys over the years between Timmy Murphy and Joe Tizard and back to Timmy and I just wasn't fully convinced that the security was there in comparison to what I had. Um, now Paul was a coming force, he didn't have the quality mm. uh, then that he has nowadays but he was very much, he was a coming force but yeah, I had a lot to give up. I was in a very good position here at the time and a lot of really good horses. And, and I, it proved that way over the coming years with Moscow Flyer winning champion chases and kicking King win the Gold Cup and the King Georges. And so it was only when things started to turn on me a little, probably 2007, 2008, that, you know, I won't say it was ever a regret, but um, it wasn't going as smooth then as it was back in 2002 when I turned it down. Yeah, and Ruby jumped in then and cut your bush, so to speak, uh, your great rival. He took the gig, didn't he, then, with Nichols? He did, yeah. So he he, he was riding for Paul and commuting over and back. So, um, yeah, but um, it was never it was never a job that I ever looked at and said that was one that got away because I wasn't just fully certain that we would have gelled as well, maybe. Mm. Another chance came along then in 07 when uh, Edward O'Grady uh, came to you and he wanted you to make you his main man and he wanted you that much. There was an offer on the table, and then he doubled the offer. But you're obviously not a man who just went after the money. 
No, but there was so much opportunity there and, and uh, between all the yards I was riding for and even smaller yards, Owen Griffin had some lovely horses, Kazal was very good and also going over to England on occasions and riding for John Joe O'Neill and, and even Nicky Henderson. So I suppose I had the freedom um, and although I had good security doing it for years, because I didn't take up the offers with Edward O'Grady or Tom Taff or Jesse Harrington, Robert Power was creeping in on Jesse's and Andrew McNamara was creeping in on Edwards and Tommy Ryan was creeping in with Tom Taff. So I, I broke my wrist in that summer of 2007 and when I came back, all of a sudden I found that the cupboard was a little bit bare because the boys had had secured the positions over me because I hadn't committed. So it, it backfired on me a bit, I suppose. But you you did ultimately come in. I was reading the book and thinking, is this fellow ever going to uh, take one of these jobs with the permanent pensionable security, if you could say there is that, around the game that you pursued? But you did finally commit to Nicky Henderson. I did, yeah. So in, in 2008, I went first jockey to Nicky Henderson, which was a brilliant position to get. And, um, you know, straight away you were onto a... a an army of quality horses, and that was a really, really big job. And you know, the other jobs in their in their own right back in in those years in my mid late twenties, mm. they were good jobs. But I just didn't feel that the time itself to those, and maybe giving up on the potential opportunity that I was going to have to give up on. That's where the commitments it just didn't sit with me. But when Nicky's job came along, albeit I needed a job at the time because things weren't going well. But that was a really big job that mm. you would never have turned down at any stage in your career. Now, look, you got battered and bruised. I'll come on to that in a minute. But there's real poignant moments in this book again. And, and you pick a few in particular. What Max Joy, the day that fella had to be put asleep, you you really cried your eyes out. It really upset you big time. It did. It was very sad. Um, he was a gorgeous little horse. And we'd had some great days. And we won in Leprous. And we'd beat Brave Inc. and Hardy Eustace. And he was second to Brave Inc. in the champion hurdle and, and came back and beat him and Hardy Eustace then and punched him. So he really mixed it with the best of them and he was well up for it on his day. Um, but he was he just a gorgeous horse, a lovely way of going. He jumped really well. He was he was a real gentle kind of character. And we were in we got down the back straight in Cheltenham in the, the Bueller hurdle at the December meeting and all of a sudden, bang, his hind leg went and I knew instantly what was after happening and then I had to get him stopped and mm. try and get him comforted and, and I knew what was coming and it was it was really difficult and I, I, I walked away as, as the the ambulance crew the horse ambulance took him and dropped to my knees and cried and blocked out my ears so I wouldn't hear the crack of the gun so it was, it was really sad because he was a, just a gorgeous horse yeah, and, and then another day that uh, stand, stands out in me uh, from reading your wonderful book, Bobsworth winning the Gold Cup in 2016 was special, but you just, it didn't do it for you because you were thinking of, of a colleague. Yeah, so uh, John Thomas McNamara had had his horrific fall in Cheltenham the day before on the Thursday evening, and it was only on Friday morning that the realisation had come true of the extent of JT's injuries. And the Gold Cup didn't matter, and it Bobsworth had a great chance, but it didn't matter what won the Gold Cup and we went out in it and, you know, Bobsworth won by seven lengths and it was a brilliant performance, but there was no joy in the victory. Mm. Um, it was never one that you could celebrate because you knew what JT and his wife Caroline and their children were going through. So there was there was no joy in it, but it, it, it was a great day, but it was, it was a, a sombre occasion. 
Rule 212, I suppose you don't want to hear this, but uh, you had your brushes with authority through your career as well. You know, uh, always being watched closely, your colleagues and races, etc., for, for jockeys perhaps not trying or pulling a horse. This really got to you at times and you fought it to the nail. I did. So I, I got a 30-day suspension um, from the Limerick stewards on riding Noble Emperor for Tony Martin. And... I thought on the day that I I had no case to prove that this was straightforward, but they they came down hard on me, um, and I had to appeal it. And the Punchstone Festival was was what I was going to lose, along with probably another six weeks racing, because 30 days is 30 racing days, so it could be the four days that are on each week. So it it carries on for a long time. But I appealed it, and... um, You know, I worked hard on my case and proved my case, and I suppose with, with... with the weight of evidence through footage of previous races of when Noble Emperor was ridden um, more prominently and he didn't finish out his race, that explained the reason why I was riding him, um, you could say, a little bit with a little bit more restraint and mm-hmm. trying to save him for the finish. So I suppose that the appeals body had the benefit of that evidence and thankfully I got cleared and I could go to Punchstone Road in Punchstone and, and was leading rider there for the week. Yeah, fair juice to you. Now, of course, you did become J.P. McManus' main man in 2015 and then when I read on, he sacked you in 2018. Well, he he, he called me in um, at Punchestown in 2018 and uh, he said some of the trainers weren't happy with how I was riding and that he wouldn't have a first jockey from there on. So, I didn't know where I stood and it, it, you know, it caught me by surprise and it completely broadsided me and I didn't know what way to look or what way to go. But um, thankfully he gave me, he said to me before I left the room, he said, he said, prove them wrong. And uh, he gave me the, the shot of redemption when he put me on Bally O'Sheen a month later in, in Killarney and he ripped round and he won really, really impressively. And I suppose maybe I was turning the tide again there and thankfully after that we'd, we'd, we'd more good days than bad days anyway. Mm, it might have been a bit of psychology I was just thinking to myself the way he did it and it gave you the little tip of the whip as well and away you went <laughs> and why did you go after that? Look, you've always had to make the weight and a few questions before we finish I wanted to ask you how are you getting on now? Are you eating and enjoying what you like? I'm, I'm eating well, all right? So I always <laughs> did it. I always ate well and ran hard and worked hard, so I, yeah. better. I always had a reasonably good balance that way. So, but I'm I'm eating well. I'm not running so much because I don't want to be I don't want to be feeling too fit and maybe thinking I should be making a comeback. So, I'm, <laughs> although I haven't put on much weight, I'm uh, I'm definitely enjoying the slower pace of life. Uh, well, you're well deserved after all the years. You had to work hard, and all those body shocks, the breaks. Look, you must have broken every blimmin' bone in your body. Do you worry about that for the future? You know, we hear about arthritis as you we get older all of us I'm feeling myself at the minute does that ever enter your head Barry? No it didn't well you didn't really consider injuries mm. it's not something that you ever headed out of the way out onto the Grand National or whatever race it was worrying about what might happen unfortunately injuries do happen and they happen a lot but um, yeah you just don't consider it and you try and move on and hopefully I don't suffer too much with arthritis in later life but then I have I've broken probably most bones in my body so it's mm. uh I'm hoping that it's, uh, it doesn't give me it doesn't give me any trouble at the minute anyway. Yeah, good on you, good on you, and I know you'll work at that in the future. But your comeback after the double leg break, as I said at the start, was extraordinary, and what a way to finish out in Cheltenham this year. Look, these are the ones they want to hear: the best horse you've ever ever had the privilege of guiding round. I could never split um, Moscow Flyer and Sprinter Sacra. They're just they were two amazing horses. Um, Sprinter visually. 
and Anteride as well was unbelievable. Mm. Um, but the thing about Moscow was that he'd beat an average horse two lengths and then he'd beat his air tube in the biggest race of the year by two lengths with an ear pricked. So you never actually knew what he had in the tank. He only did as much as he had to do. Mm. So he probably, he wasn't, he didn't maybe excite people to look at it the same way as Sprinter Sacker would, but he went four full years unbeaten, which Sprinter didn't do. So it's probably, I'd say that the longevity was more of a reflection of Moscow's ability than what you saw, but they were they were two amazing horses, and I was blessed. They're probably the best two mile chasers in in the last thirty or forty years. And the high point of your career, the Inter Grand National. The ah, that's, that's yes, the one, that, the one that everyone wants, and is uh, yeah, it was brilliant to get it. Brilliant to get it early in my career as well. And Jimmy and Mangan, Jimmy Mangan, Monty Monty's pass. pass. Yeah, what a day, what a day to win. Aintree, you know, it's every boy's dream, I'm sure, especially for the likes of yourself to go there and win it. So that was the number one for you. Well, look, I just wanted to catch up with you this afternoon and say, you know, you had such a following, you know that. And, you know, here in the northeast, especially in County Mead, they love you to bits. And uh, you made a lot of people a few pound, I can tell you that, Barry Garrity. No, it was great fun over the years, and, and there's nowhere I loved racing more than my local tracks, Navan, Ferryhouse, Bellystown. Always a great atmosphere, great crack, Dundalk back in the day when we were up there as well. So I always enjoyed the support, the local support particularly, and uh, no, it was brilliant. I, 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 had a great, I had a great career, a great time, and it was great fun. Can I say to you that this book is brilliant? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't put it down from I started reading it cover to cover. And I wouldn't be uh, the most knowledgeable or I love sport and I love watching the horse racing and have an old flutter on that. But this book, folks, I have to say, it's for every sports lover out there. And especially if you have somebody that's in the racing game, get this book for them for that day on the 25th of December. True Colours, uh, Barry Garrity's memoir. Barry, it's simply brilliant. And I thank you for joining me on my show today. Cheers. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. Bye. That's the brilliant Barry Garrity there. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.